Advent is upon us, and we, I turned to Tammy earlier and shared peace with her, and she said back, no joy. So I hope that this morning as we worship together that you find new joy for your Advent season and for your Christmas holiday. Our gospel lesson this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, the third chapter. I invite you to listen now for the Word of God. Then John said to the crowds who came to be baptized by him, You children of snakes, who warned you to escape from the angry judgment that is coming soon? Produce fruit that shows you've changed your hearts and lives. And don't even think about saying to yourselves, Abraham is our father. I tell you that God is able to raise up Abraham's children from these stones. The axe is already at the root of the tree. Therefore, every tree that doesn't produce good fruit will be chopped down and tossed into the fire. And the crowds asked him, What then should we do? He answered, Whoever has two shirts must share with the one who has none. And whoever has food must do the same. Even the tax collectors came to be baptized. They said to him, Teacher, what should we do? And he replied, Collect no more than you were authorized to collect. Soldiers asked, what about us? What should we do? And he answered, don't cheat or harass anyone and be satisfied with your pay. This is the word for God, the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. There are many things that cause us difficulty in our lives. And in the church, we try to come up with answers to these things. We try to find the places that are causing people to face particular difficulty, and we seek to bring God into the middle of it. And one of the ways that we do this in the church is we've come to find that people live their lives in silos. And when I say that, I mean that if you are someone who is young and you're 30s and you have young children, you probably spend most of your time with people just like you. If you've retired and you love bridge, um, you might spend a lot of time with retired bridge players. And that's one of the biggest privileges of my life here, my ministry. Um, Jay would probably say the same about his, that I, as our youth pastor, get to spend a lot of time with people much younger than me. And it helps me to have hope for the future of the church. It helps me to see what God is at work doing in the lives of young people today. And it is this great joy in my life. It is also very humbling at times. We have great opportunities in our youth ministry to not only celebrate together and worship together, play games, but we also serve. So this past Sunday, we were over in the bridge serving the meal for Shepherd's Table. And it was a great uh, morning. It was a little chaotic, as it always is, because I'm in this big, loud industrial kitchen, and there's stuff roaring, and there are kids that are fighting with each other, and Erlen wants to sit on a stool and not help, and the oven's too hot, and the kids can't figure out how to do dishes, and so it was a little chaotic. It was almost our last supper, but we made, made our way through. And um, we, I walked into the dish room at one moment and saw two of my students who were 
young men, um, very respectful young men, but they paused. And I had to try to figure out what they were doing. And the braver of the two of them went, we were doing impressions of you. Which, if Tammy were to walk into an administrative board meeting and hear, we were doing impressions of you, I'm sure she would be really concerned. Um, so I, I knew I was being mocked to some degree, and I had to find out how to what degree. So I asked them, okay, let's see it. What do I look like to you? And the, again, the braver of the two, um, not the wallflower of the two, st- stood up and went, we're never going to get the food done. The dishes are overflowing. The food's running behind, and you need to stop playing on your phone. So they, they felt like I was just this overbearing kind of shake your fist at them kind of person. And nobody in life likes to be the one who's trying to add responsibility to others. No one wants to be the person that calls others to task. It is an inherently difficult thing to preach, to come before people and expect that you could say something, you could stir within people some sense that there is new joy to be had in this life. Because people, I I can only speak for myself, but I I believe I've come to find that we're self-defeating, we are lazy, we're hard to motivate, we're easily distracted. So when we have someone that comes along and wants us to live up to a higher standard, wants us to live our lives in a new and sacrificial way, it is so easy for us to miss the lesson because we're too this or too that. We can't, we can't sacrifice the time to take on a new spiritual discipline. We have these limits. So how can we find joy, especially joy in service? John the Baptist in the Scripture I read a moment ago, shares his thought on how to motivate people that are kind of wandering through, not making any progress, as people that have come to be baptized by him. Before they can make this big moment in their faith, before they're baptized and they start their new life as believers, John's idea of how to inspire them is to scare the hell out of them. He says... There is coming cause to panic. There is coming judgment. You're not just people with ideas. You're people who have brought about things in the world. The way you spend your money, the way you spend your time, it says something about God. And he says, whatever it is you're worried isn't being shared. You're the one that needs to intercede. He says, whatever your heart's ambition is, wherever it is that you're headed off ahead of you, what you're working on, that's what God is paying attention to. Not what it is that you carry with you, your titles, your accomplishments, your hometown, all that's important, but what God is focused on, according to John the Baptist, is the state of our hearts and the direction that we're headed And this is a challenge in a world where the church is losing market share of social influence, in a world where 
We don't know how our faith matches our actions all the time. It's a challenge. And John says, these things you do, the things you say, God is paying attention. And where you're headed is very, very important. There are consequences for being misguided. And when I listen to John, I wonder where he sees the joy in all of this. But I I believe that he packages this doom and gloom about God's judgment with some words about sharing with your community because he doesn't want to sound like he's nagging. I, I think that when you look at this Scripture that I shared, what John is doing the whole time, the whole God is coming to judge us, that is all just a way to get people actually concerned about what he has to say. Because just like my kids in the dish room who don't want someone standing over them saying, you've got to finish serving, you've got to stop talking so that you can do the dishes, John doesn't want to be the one that says, Y'all aren't sharing of what you have enough. Y'all have people that are hungry in your community. What are you doing about it? John thinks that these things we ought to have answers for. It's not about solving these problems, but it's about trying. It's about coming up with an answer. When the district superintendent said someone needs a wheelchair ramp built, I said, I don't know how to build a wheelchair ramp, Um, But we're the church. And so I called Joseph Jackson. I called people that I thought might know. When there's something wrong in the community and we're not doing anything about it, God is paying attention. When John says to people, give half of what you have to others that are in need. Stop working jobs in ways that conflict your values. Quit the job that's crushing your soul. This is what he's getting at the whole time. That our actions ought to be guided by our hearts. And they're not always that way. When we become directionless, we keep God from being able to use us in a world with many different needs. So in the spirit of John the Baptist preaching. Some of you in this room today are terrified for the future of this church. Some of you worshiping here today are scared for the future of United Methodism. You're wondering, what is the future for Christianity in general? And if you have these fears, if you have these concerns, this is exactly what you ought to be coming up with an answer to. Your job as a disciple of Jesus Christ is not to solve the ills of the world, but it's to be open to them. To try to respond to them. You alone cannot be the one that brings about the next season in the life of this church. But collectively, Look at this church. Look at all of the wonderful, thoughtful, creative, self-sacrificial people that we have among us. Worshiping God together. Where can we go?
Where can we serve together? My challenge to you would be that you should not wait for other people to define your faith for you. Don't wait for someone to tell you where we're headed as a church. Don't wait for someone to tell you what United Methodism means. You are the ones that you're waiting for. We are the ones that we're waiting for. We're the church. We're the people that have been raised in this faith that can see where we're headed together. Define your faith for yourselves. And if you're wondering how to do this, I have a few ideas. The first of which is, don't be shy about your generosity. As I look out and see so many that I've spoken with, whether it's your finances, your time, your prayers, your care for the community and the future of the city, there are many people here that are generous with all that they've been entrusted with. God has given you so much. How are you using it? How are you being a good steward? Are you being generous with what you have? And if you are, share with others how your sacrifices change your heart. Share with others how the way that you give, whether it's in the community or at the church, share about how that changes your priorities and what you're paying attention for in the world around you. Be proud of someone. As we talk about finding joy, I I invite you to look around in your life at people that have joy. Tell those around you that bring joy to your life why you cherish them. Go to people like Jason Wright, who's Mr. Joy himself, and say, thank you, Jason, for helping me to smile all the time. Find the people that make a difference. Recognize them. Tell them what it is that they do that changes you. Be like those that are homebound that I visited with, like Buford Matthews, Lila Hamilton, the Woodalls, the Smiths, the Gans. There are so many. Gene Purley, the people that have struggles that keep them from mobility, from being able to eat, to sleep comfortably. But some of these have such still hearts that when you visit with them, that's not what you hear about. They want to know, what are we doing at the church? How are the people that they love that are still well? They're focused on God's future rather than their own internal issues. Instead of just fulfilling a service requirement, I invite you to go to anistonfirst.info slash serve. Talk to Kyle at the Connect desk. Do all that you can to find ways to serve this Christmas with Christmas Clearinghouse, with baking cookies for those that are homebound, caroling to those that are homebound on the 22nd. On the 18th, we're going to have cookies and carols in Zen Park. Find an event and bring with you a spirit of joy. Find an event to serve and expect that God will show up. That you're not just checking off a box, but that this might be something that changes your life and your faith. Find ways to serve that bring you joy. 
Share not your ideas just with your family. I invite you to share your ideas, your hopes for this church, for your faith with the pastors here, but also with one another. As we go through this Christmas season, there's a lot of joy and looking back that comes with that. But I I hope that you look forward for joy. That you don't just look for memories and nostalgia, but that you can find those you can connect with and talk about the future of the church. There's great cause for hope. Talk to me about serving with our youth ministry or ask Emily how you can help with our children. Talk to Riley about what you can do for TCP. Find something that you can do. Find a place that you want to share new hope for what God is doing in our midst. May you find yourself this Advent season overcome by the joy of community and service. May your heart be stirred into action. Because just as John the Baptist was preaching, your actions matter. And the things that we don't do, that matters as well because God is paying attention to the state of our hearts. May you find that whatever it is you carry with you to make it through the day, the facades that we have, the little ways that we make it through, the ways that we hide our anxieties and our insecurities, would you quiet those for a moment within yourself so that you can find a place for God to use you? Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks for the ministry of service. You've called us all to be a part of this church and a part of your church. God, be with us this day. Bring joy into our lives through the ministry of service. Be with us as we seek to be good stewards of all you've entrusted us with in this, your world. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.